Dear friends, welcome to another edition of Forum 2000 Online Chat. Today, our guest is Dr. Arunaba Roush, a public policy professional, advisor, author, columnist, and institution builder. As the founder CEO of the Council on Energy, Environment, and Water since 2010, under his guidance, CEW, CEEW has become one of Asia's leading policy research institutions and is among the world's 20 best climate think tanks in 2013 and 2016. Dr. Roche previously worked at Princeton, Oxford, UNDP, and WTO. Dr. Roche is also under of, uh, is author of several books and has worked in some 45 countries. Um, his tireless work and contributions in the field got him the nomination by the UN Secretary General to the UN's Committee for, Developing, for Development Policy in 2018. Since 2020, Dr. Hosh serves as the co-chair of the Energy, Environment, and Climate Change Track for India's Science, Technology, and Innovation Policy. He is co-chair of the World Economic Forum's Global Future Councils on Clean Air and is a member of the International High-Level Panel of the Environment of Peace Initiative. Dr. Hosh, welcome once again. Thank you, Arzu. So my first question is about the work that is being carried by the CEEW, the Council on Energy, Environment and Water. It's one of Asia's leading non-for-profit policy research institutions. Um, can you briefly tell us what's the scope of your work at CEEW and your role there? Well, thanks for having me on this, um, on this interview, Arzu. It's a real pleasure to be interacting with you and with the wider audience of Forum, Forum 2000. Uh, my organization, CEW, serves as an independent think tank. We were formed a little over 10 years ago to try and integrate issues of energy, water, climate change, local environmental issues, but integrate them into the broader kind of development discourse for India, but also for other developing countries and emerging economies. So what do we do? Um, we pride ourselves on our data. And in a lot of areas, we focus a lot on getting um, granular, up-to-date, uh, primary data, uh, sometimes more data than even the government uh, ha has, because we send out you know, armies of researchers across the country. Um, so we use that data, whether it's on energy access, whether it's on water, whether it's on industrial emissions, on jobs being created, and then we integrate it into our analysis and then have strategic outreach to inform the discourse, to advise policymakers, um, and to make sure that um, we are approaching sustainability, not because it's morally right, but because it also makes economic sense and that it is socially just. And until we bring it all together, what we call the jobs, growth and sustainability triangle, unless all of those three things are being pushed, um, we will not have genuinely sustainable sustainability. Um, so that's really what we do. We've worked on India's big renewable energy targets. It's one, of, it's one of the largest renewable energy countries in the world. We've advised on the phase down of hydrofluorocarbons uh, uh, in India and uh, across the world. We have uh, supported the creation of the International Solar Alliance, the world's newest intergovernmental entity. We are creating a climate risk atlas for India, the first of its kind anywhere in the developing world. Um, we have a center for energy finance that develops financial products that can reduce the risks associated with investment in clean energy in India and in other emerging markets. 
we look over the horizon at technologies and what are the emerging technologies that matter for the development and sustainability of uh, developing countries. So we looked at energy storage and batteries of electric mobility, and most recently on green hydrogen. And we've been working on supporting the Indian government in announcing uh, the latest national hydrogen energy mission. So on a range of issues, um, from, from agricultural sustainability, water sustainability, energy transition, our job is to take our data, our analysis, and our strategic outreach to explain and change the use, reuse, and misuse of resources. That sounds like a lot of work, but also a lot of incredible work. Um, good luck with, with all the projects. And it also resonates with, with what you mentioned at your TED Talk, um, how it's not just one institution that's responsible for change, it's all the different parts of a society. And I think that uh, goes to what you were saying and all the different areas that you're trying to work and engage with. So that's really incredible. Um, so my next question is actually um, about the role of India and its place as you know, a country that's at the heart of climate change conversations right now. Um, there's a recent briefing by the European Parliament where uh, India is mentioned as one of the countries at the core of climate change and its impact. Um, you know, from extreme weather to air pollution, poverty, um, as it is very much the core of issues uh, like air pollution, um, deforestation, um, and many other um, issues. And the government has taken steps in addressing many of these challenges. Um, what has been the success rate of government's policies and how much of a role does CEEW play in helping relevant stakeholders like the government institutions and others to address these global environmental issues? So Arzu, first of all, we have to recognize that um, what you said at the outset, it's absolutely critical that uh, India is one of the most vulnerable countries uh, to climate change. Um, our analysis at CEW suggests that three quarters of our districts, we have more than 700 districts across the country, three quarters of our districts are now hotspots for extreme climate events, whether it's a drought, a flood, a, a cyclonic event and so forth. Now that obviously means that we cannot treat climate change only as a, you know, a pastime uh, environmental issue. It is front and center in, uh, in how we design our development policy, what kind of jobs we create, what kind of industries we create and how we power up those industries. So it's in that regard that we have to analyze and evaluate how effective uh, government interventions have been. If I look at some of the big success stories, I would count the renewable energy story and the energy efficiency story very much at the front and center of, of that effort. Uh, take an example, a decade ago, we had less than 20 megawatts of solar power in the country. Today, we have more than 92,000 megawatts of solar and wind with a target of 450,000 megawatts of renewable energy by 2030. And CEW was instrumental in evaluating our national solar mission, in advising government on how to scale up the targets, and in looking at what would be the uh, would be the investment strategy year on year to be able to draw in uh, the billions of dollars of investment that is needed to achieve these targets. Similarly, if you take energy efficiency, India um, uh, about again about nine years ago kick-started a program 
on a trading scheme on energy efficiency uh, for the largest industries in the country called the Perform, Achieve and Trade Scheme. Uh, because of that and several other energy efficiency schemes, for instance, it deployed hundreds of millions of LED light bulbs um, across the country and brought down the prices of LED light bulbs from more than 300 rupees to less than 50 rupees, less than a dollar. So what that does is at a, at a mass scale, it changes the way you're lighting up a room. Uh, so energy efficiency and renewables have had a big role, but what more needs to happen? As India looks out into the future, uh, a few key areas will continue to require attention. Number one is the efficiency at the household level. India has done outstandingly well in connecting nearly every household in the country with electricity now. About 700 million people have got access to electricity in the last two decades. But the household energy efficiency will matter in terms of the overall country's energy. Second will be our industrial sector. We have one of the world's largest industrial bases, but how do we make steel, cement, fertilizer, petrochemicals in a less energy consumptive fashion? So industrial decarbonization will be another area that will require work, and which is where the recently announced hydrogen energy mission becomes important. And the third area which will be critical is transportation. And again, that's where India has put out big targets for about 30% of all new vehicles being sold in 2030 to be electric, uh, and all two-wheelers and all three-wheelers to be electric. Our estimation at CW suggests that that would be a $206 billion opportunity. And finally, the fourth area would be making the rural economy, where some of the poorest people reside, also sustainable. And again, our work on what we call powering livelihoods shows that using distributed clean energy in productive activities in the rural economy is a $50 billion opportunity. So we should celebrate the work that has happened in India and renewables. We should celebrate the work that has happened in energy efficiency. But as we look out into the future, we should continue with household energy efficiency, industrial energy uh, and decarbonization, the transport decarbonization, and the sustainability of the rural economy. If we get these fundamental building blocks right, we're onto a very different pathway of development. That's That sounds like a very busy work plan. Um, what, what is your... Mm, you know, estimate of, of to, like, what's the, what does the time frame looks like for all these different directions and projects that are currently being discussed? Uh, it would vary from uh, one thing to another. So the household energy efficiency should be yesterday, you know? So every time a new household gets connected to the grid, it should be using more and more efficient appliances. And India has again done, as I said, on LEDs, but there are now standards, so what are called star ratings for appliances like air conditioners and refrigerators. But we are now pushing very strongly for uh, star rated energy efficiency, star rated fans and other smaller electrical appliances that poorer houses also use. The industrial decarbonization story will maybe pan out over the next two or two and a half decades because that will require that kind of time. Transportation, as I said, they're already very big targets for 2030 and it can rapidly unfold um, the more we set up the manufacturing capacity at home for, say, batteries and, and, and the power trains for electric vehicles. And again, finally, the rural economy. Again, uh, this is, you know, a, a decade and a half ago, a, a professor had talked about the fortune at the bottom of the pyramid. Now, this is the bottom of the pyramid that can also be resilient, climate-friendly, 
and jobs and income generating if we only knew how to use the cleanest sources of energy to drive up these productive enterprises. So once we identify and recognize that, you know, you can get half a million jobs from renewable energy, you can get uh, 200,000 jobs in uh, servicing air conditioners, efficient air conditioners, you can get 1.9 million jobs in the hydrogen supply chain. Once you start recognizing that it's not just an environmental story, it's a job story, it's an investment story, the pace that you're referring to can, can simply be accelerated because then it is, it is no longer in the margins of the public consciousness, it's in the mainstream of government and industry action. Oh, this is really interesting because now um, I'm thinking, you know, all of what you're describing um, and all of the plans that are currently being discussed and, and planned for the future also requires interest and demand on behalf of the people, right? And so I guess my next question is, it's, it's kind of twofold. First is, what kind of change have you um, observed in recent years, especially in particular with regard to this issue uh, um, from, from the people themselves? Is there interest um, to become more responsible? Is there interest to educate themselves? I mean, you again, like going back to your TED talk, you talk a lot about this, um, you know, people perspective, how much work also falls on the shoulders of the individuals themselves. And my second question in that is, what kind of role you think the youth can play? I mean, um, judging from the population and, you know, youth constitutes a, a majority of population in India and what has been their interest, what kind of solutions they're coming up with? Are they, um, do you have this kind of ongoing partnership with, I don't know, eco clubs and, and, and these kind of initiatives? Uh, what can you tell us about that? So let me answer both those questions in the order you've posed them, Arzu. Um, the role of people is absolutely critical. At CW, we see, we call it the four legs of the stool. There's technology, there is finance, there is government policy, but the fourth leg is behavioral change, right? Mm -hmm. And you will not get uh, the effectiveness of the other three uh, efforts without behavioral change happening at the people end. Now, what will drive that change? And what we observe is that the best changes or the most uh, revolutionary changes happen when we call there is a convergence of the interests of the elite and the interests of the climate vulnerable. If you take renewables, it's big money, big investment. And therefore you can't do it, you know, if you were just a small scale entrepreneur. But at the same time, if it services the needs of the poorest, not just the needs of the richest, then you begin to create that bottom-up demand for clean energy. Now, how does that happen? Before lighting, uh, before electricity or clean electricity, many rural houses in India or elsewhere in the developing world would use very polluting kerosene to light up their lamps in, in their villages. And that's polluting, it's bad for your health, and then I, I have gone across villages in India where very poor farmers have deployed solar panels on their roofs because they say, I don't want this kerosene fume in my room, in my house, right? Um, just a couple of, three months ago, we kicked off another campaign with neighborhoods in, uh, in Delhi, where our office is, in both affluent neighborhoods and in poorer neighborhoods to create a bottom-up demand. We call the campaign Solarize, the demand for putting up rooftop solar by demonstrating to them that if they did that, their electricity bills would come down, more local jobs would get created and so forth. Similarly, you mentioned my TED talk. 
And the, what, what I've laid out, the mission 808080, that in 2027, when we are going to be an 80-year-old independent nation, can we reduce air pollution by 80% in 80, country, 80 cities across the country? Now, again, that will require the role of not just governments, but the role of residents and citizens. So we are working with resident welfare associations in different localities and helping them understand that air quality data and helping them create that demand. Um, so on issue after issue, when you demonstrate that there are jobs there, when you demonstrate that there's some that, that they and their children can have a better quality of life, or you demonstrate that there's a lot of new investment and growth for the big capitalists, then you bring that convergence of the climate vulnerable and the elite together. But then if you take the question of the youth, that's absolutely critical, not just because it sounds nice to say that. India is a young country. It's an old, it's an ancient civilization, but a young country. More than 60% of our population is under the age of 25. And that's why we are a 10 year old organization. I am 10 years older than since I first founded it, but our median age continues to remain under 30 at CW. Uh, and we are, we are a team of more than 100 people. And why? Because you can't solve for the problems of the future by having the people of the past working on it. You have to solve it with the people who have the energy, the brains, the technology, and the, and the willingness to bet their lives and their careers on making their own quality of life, their own country, and their own planet more sustainable. So it's not just a question of you know, youth activism or youth kind of enthusiasm to clean up the planet by walking out in the streets. Yes, youth across the world have that, that energy. But what we want to do is channel that energy into you know, development of new business models, development of new financial models, development of new technologies, um, deploying the youth within the communities where they can work with the communities to, to test out these solutions. Only then will the youth feel that they are not just demanding change, but they are actually actioning the change they are demanding. Gandhi you know, famously said, you know, be the change you want to see. And, and leveraging the youth, the demographic dividend that India has and the demographic dividend that an organization like CW has is very much in pursuit of the same Gandhian principle. Well, this, this, I think this is a beautiful summary and a wonderful ending to this interview, which has been extremely informative. I'm grateful for your time and for all the knowledge and information that you shared with us with Forum 2000 audience. It's been incredible to listen to you and I wish we could just go on <laughs> and, and continue talking about the projects and, and the work that you do and the outreach, uh, because there's so many things to discuss, right? The challenges also as an organization, but also all the other circumstances that um, lead us humans to be to do the work that we do uh, so you know once again thank you so much it's been a real pleasure um, and I look forward to seeing you offline <laughs> maybe at a forum 2000 uh, sometime <laughs> when it happens in an actual physical physical world <laughs> definitely Arzu I, I hope that'll happen as well but let me let me close by commenting on both our names uh, so yes. my name Arunaba in Sanskrit means the first rays of the rising sun so it's kind of, it's as if my parents willed for me to work on clean energy and solar. Uh, but your name means hope and wish. And, you know, if we can put our energies together, our names together, then we can hope for a cleaner, more sustainable planet and, you know, a, a, a just world for the people.
So thank you so much again. Thank you. That's an excellent <laughs> that's an excellent wish. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.